Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broadening our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I am here with Jason. Hey, everyone. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you? Eh, it's been a rough week, but I'm glad to be here talking about movies. And you know, I've noticed that since Michael has left us my intro, I can't really do that bombastic, what's up, guys? How uh, you doing? No, you can still do that, because so, the listeners are the guys. True, true, I guess, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hmm, maybe. Just we'll think see. of them. Thinking about doing this. Thinking smooth, of all of our beautiful listeners. This smooth core, I'm just like, how you doing, man? <laughs> that works, too. We'll see. <laughs> um, today, we're continuing our freestyle start of the year. And you're getting that double shot of listener episodes. And this is the first one. We've got History of the Occult from 2020, suggested by Urban Groucho. Thank you, man. We love you. Uh, what was it? Come True last year was the one he pitched. Yeah, was, great ooh, movie. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really wanted to cover this one, but there was a hang-up. And we're going to talk about that today, because I charted out all the notes of how this happened. Oh, wow. fell into a bit of a uh, licensing limbo Uh-oh. in the U.S. So Okay. That'll be fun. But first, we're going to talk about what we've been watching and I have a shout-out. Ooh, what's the shout-out? So we are now third year going strong, no sponsorships. We're still shilling for Shudder, and i got to shill for him again because <laughs> when you get this episode, it will have already been time that this happened. I think on the 5th of this month, Possession, Zulowski's Possession, mm. joined the Shudder catalog. Classic, classic movie. I made a Twitter post about it if you follow our page. Um, amazing film. We all love it here. You need to see it if you have never seen it. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever thought about Shudder, you've been on the fence about Shudder, now is the time to go. To see this one movie, and then there's, there's endless of content. Tons more. Um, so I think in the tweet I mentioned a little bit, but like we always talk about the podcast kind of started from this movie club. And incidentally, the start of the movie club was that film. That was the one we <laughs> launched out on. And it was the only one that, at the time, the, the members of the then movie club, is the only one we all really agreed upon was, like, a fucking classic. Yeah, it was funny because we all loved it. We all each had a different interpretation. And then when we talked about it, it was like none of us agreed, but we also were all compelled by the other person's thoughts. Yeah. And so, really, eventually, the formulation of this podcast is like chasing that dragon to find <laughs> more movies that make me feel that way and... It's very, it's a very unique film. To get you talking about it. So yes. Do seek it out. Do seek it out. I guess maybe I'll start with what I've been watching, because... Yeah. What'd you watch? I finally had a dud. I haven't had a dud in a while. So, I've got that Shawscope box set staring me down. I'm ready mm-hmm. to start it. But I've been, I've been on a spree of, like, filling in some holes, you know. I checked out the Silent Night, Deadly Night stuff. And one of the Amityville... Amityville Films got a Blu-ray release that never had one before. Well, you're not surprised that an Amityville film is a dud, are you? Well, <laughs> so 1990, The Amityville Curse. I think technically this is the fifth film in the franchise. Is this an official one, or does it even matter at this point in the uh, timeline? I think like, technically it's official, but also it's one of those ones like it falls between the gaps. It might have to do with a releasing thing, but... Uh, one of the Vinegar Syndrome partner labels put this out, and I thought, you know, I've got the the Scream Factory 1 through 3 box. I've got the amazing Vinegar Syndrome later sequel box <laughs> with all the, like, haunted object ones. So you know me, I'm a collector. I see that spot, and it's empty, and I, like, I got yeah. to get that last film to put in there, right? <laughs> right. So this one is, uh, it, it's based on a novel by Hans Holzer, the, like, supernatural paranormal investigator guy. <sighs> 
where to begin? <laughs> so it's kind of about Amityville, but it's kind of not. And it's weird because they have a house, and it kind of looks like the Amityville house, but it's obviously not the house. And they, it's like there's this couple, and they're going to buy a house to flip. And it's a weird thing where it's like they're driving to the house they're going to talk about. And then the, the, the main chick, the wife, is kind of psychic, and she has a feeling about a house. And they stop there, and it's all ran down. And so they buy it, and they're going to bring their friends in and flip it for cheap and sell it and make a bunch of money for everyone. Okay. It's like the worst episode of like one of those house hunter <laughs> kind of things ever. Um, and yeah, and then it goes through all the paces of a usual Amityville film of like mm-hmm. the house being haunted and weird stuff happening and da-da-da-da. Right. I've seen a lot before. And you, you don't know because it's like it, it suggests at times that this isn't the Amityville house. It's a Amityville it's house. It's a Amityville house. But then, like, when they first roll up there, like, all their friends to check it out, one of them is like, oh, so this is Amityville. <laughs> and I'm like, are you... Maybe there are several, like, possessed <laughs> evil houses in Amityville. Maybe that's the problem. So I almost thought there was a kernel of a good idea here where they were kind of suggesting that maybe there was just, like, an evil that, like, emanated from the Amityville house and that has, like, pervaded the town okay. and infected, infected a lot of stuff. Houses, but sure. um, they really don't go into that too much and they just suggest it for a second and mm. then then it's just a very vague, very boring, by-the-numbers Amityville sequel. Um, they kind of bring in some of the, like, DeFeo stuff, too. Like, there's the ghosts of them that they see and mm. uh, where, where the main chick is, like, psychic a little bit and has visions and stuff. And uh, it's just really boring, really undercooked. The best part is actually the intro, which is just like this short, very terse thing of like a really cool priest with like this deep, bassy voice, and there's some weird stuff going on, and they're worried about something, and then he goes to hear a confession, and there's a mysterious person on the other side of the booth, and then he just whips out a shotgun and blows him away. <laughs> nice. And it, it's funny because like I guess they didn't consider this one of the cursed object ones, but it kind of is because like the whole reason the main house is haunted. Is because they take that confession booth that he died in, and like stash it in the basement. Like I think the house originally <laughs> was odd. supposed to be like a rectory or something, maybe. Okay. And that's why they store it there. But uh-huh. yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a stretch, but whatever. Watch it if you want to see them all. It's not the most painful sequel, so I, I guess it it's got that going for it. So. Yeah. Hmm. Well. Yeah. Amityville Curse. After <laughs> that glowing endorsement. <laughs> um, what did you see, sir? I saw something interesting, um, not the sort of thing I usually watch, or at least not what I talk about here, but it's called My Ode School. Okay. It came out in 2022. I saw it on the list of like some of the best films of 2022, or at least some of the most underrated. And it is Scottish. And um, the synopsis is, in 1993, a 16-year-old Brandon Lee enrolled at Beersden Academy, a secondary school in the well-to-do suburb of Glasgow, Scotland. What followed over the next two years became the stuff of legend. Okay. And to say too much about the plot would, would give too much away. Um, but it's all a true story. And they have uh, a lot of the now grown up kids who went to the school interviewed. And it's really mm-hmm. fun to watch them because some of them are interviewed in groups. And you can tell there's still camaraderie amongst them. Yeah. Like they all still live in the same town. They still know each other. So there's like a lot of joking around and stuff. Hmm. Um, it is... There's like real film footage shown, and then a lot of it's done in like an animation style. Uh, there's a lot of twists and turns, but in Alan Cumming, okay, so the guy who was actually about, right, he did not want to appear on camera, but he did audio recordings for it, audio interview. Hmm. So they got Alan Cumming to come in, and he like um, talks over it, like 
you know, what's the word I'm looking for? He's like dubs in. Yeah, yeah. Like he's he's miming along to the audio track. He does a really good, <laughs> really good job of it too. He really sells it. Cool. Um, I I'd say anything too much about it would would be to uh, give too much away, but it's not. It's kind of a fun watch because it's there's nothing really nefarious going on, mm. you know. It's because you hear about things that happen at schools that oh, this isn't going to go well, right? But this is actually kind of well, not really heartwarming because it's also kind of sad, <laughs> but it's not it's not icky. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. So okay, if you're turned off by like those violent or lurid true crime type documentaries, this is something that's a bit more more fun. So I would suggest checking out if you like real life stories. Where can we get at it? Um, I saw this one on Prime. I think I had to rent it. Oh. Well, Michael's out. I know Michael won't watch it because it's not for free. And he, <laughs> he can't have that. <laughs> uh, go go to justwatch.com. You'll find out where to watch it. Never trust justwatch.com. What are you talking about? This is true. Um. Well, that that's interesting. I, I'm wondering if I've Stepped into a parallel dimension where you're suggesting a heartwarming. Uh, hmm. That is a little strange, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. May have something to do with our film today. Oh no! Perhaps we live in an alternate reality. <laughs> oh, it's actually on Hulu. Oh. So, you can watch it on Hulu. So first, go to Prime. Try to rent it. Realize you can't. <laughs> go back <laughs> go out. Hulu. Go to Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. Follow those steps exactly. <laughs> That's the only way it shows up. <laughs> But yes, um, <clears throat> speaking of alternate dimensions and things like that, that yes. does take us to our uh, movie of the day. Quite. Right, so today we are talking about History of the Occult from 2020 uh, from Argentina. Yeah? Yep. Yep. I'll hit you with the synopsis real quick. During the last broadcast of 60 Minutes Before Midnight, the most watched journalistic program on television, Adrian Marcato could expose a conspiracy and link the government to an obscure secret society. And that name alone, Adrian Marcotto, may perk some ears out there if anyone's a big fan of Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Because that uh, name was used in Rosemary's Baby. It did cross my mind when I first heard it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's start where we always start. What genre is this? Ooh. Let's see. What, what do they call it online? Letterbox says it's a thriller horror drama. Um... Ooh. Yeah, this this is an odd one to kind of nail down. I would say sus- suspense. I don't know, maybe thriller. <laughs> Are we on a suspense train now the new year? Maybe. I said that last time. Uh, it's drama. Okay, Every, a, everything's a drama. I'm going to throw some tags at you. All right, do it. So only for the show within the film, 60 Minutes Before Midnight, that whole part is very like mockumentary feeling to it. Yes. Um, it made me super think of Ghostwatch. Oh, yeah. I, I know you've brought up a lot before. Very good. Yeah. I was, I was going to bring that up anyway. So. Um, and then also a political thriller. Yeah. Because we have this whole, like, the president's corrupt, the government's corrupt. There's this weird 
like conspiracy me- going mega on. corporation that's backing them, and there's weird stuff going on. Yeah, and these people are trying to get to the bottom of it. Right, they want to uncover the truth, and they don't know what the truth is, and there's several different theories and ideas. Yeah, because even at one point in the background of a news broadcast, there's a posters for all the president's men. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a political thriller. That's good. Which is cool. I quite like those. It's not a thing I seek out all the time, but mm-hmm. when done well, I like. Oh, absolutely. Um, horror, I suppose. There were some good like horror moments, I think, in this film. We'll get, we'll get to it. We'll get we into that. Go through. We'll get into that. Perhaps I like them more than you, I suspect. <laughs> okay. And, yeah. And it's in a, in a cult film. I don't know if that's a subgenre of mm-hmm. its own. I think it is. Yeah. When, when you're focusing on like the act of... Practicing yeah, magic and, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is in black and white. Mm-hmm. It is mostly, well, mostly in black and white. There's a few color segments. Um, it's mostly shot in 4.3, which nicely matches the time it's set in, because it's yeah. set in like 87, I think I believe it is. so, yeah. And also because a lot of it is the actual TV broadcast. Which is how that would have been presented. Exactly. So. See, when I first started it, I thought there was something wrong with Screenbox. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> I have a question, because... I don't know if it looked like this with yours, but some of the credits were cut off. Yes, it did. Yeah. So I wonder if it was shot in a wider aspect ratio and then just cropped down to 4.3. I don't know. Or if that was just some sort of a title mistake they had made, you know? Or it could be intentional. could be intentional. It actually threw me off at first, and I was like, is this supposed to be in full frame or a screen box, like, really weird? Yeah. Or what's going on here? Yeah. And then as I got into it more, I was like, oh, okay, this is intentional. Mm-hmm. Especially because, and, and again, we'll get into it, but they start to play with the uh, aspect ratio of the film. They do. Which is super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was directed and written by Christian Ponce, I think is how you pronounce his name. Sure. Apologies if I'm incorrect. Um, and this did... one's kind of been flying under the radar, too, I think. Like, I haven't, I couldn't find a whole lot about it. I saw some reviews here and there, but not a lot of people have talked about it. And there, I mean, there could be a very good reason for that. <laughs> Uh, we do want to talk about the director really quick. Um, he's also made an animated series called The Curlian Frequency. I read about that. That sounds interesting. Um, in Argentina, it had a domestic release through Netflix. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know overseas if we're wanting to get at it where we go for that. It, I couldn't dig up much on it, but it sounds so cool. It's like this animated series, and it's very inspired by the idea of like uh, midnight radio shows, stuff like Coast to Coast, but then also like weird small town but supernatural stuff is going on kind of things like gravity falls or you go back to when I was a kid and there was stuff like eerie Indiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I read it. It's kind of a mix between like Stephen King and HP Lovecraft. Yeah. Sort of. I, I looked up some clips. I'll put a few in the show notes too, but like, yeah, it seemed real cool. Cool. I mean, it could be, could be a good reason to get a VPN and yeah. get a Netflix account overseas. So yeah. You know, Nord VPN, express VPN. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever wants to throw down those dollars. <laughs> Okay, so maybe before we go through the film, let me talk about the licensing stuff. So, okay. uh, obviously this was a film that got made and then they put it out there. Initially, Netflix grabbed the rights for the film in Spain and all of Latin America. And HBO Max got all the rights for Central Europe. So that like immediately out of the gate. They didn't think Americans wanted it? <laughs> when they first screened it, that was like the first like snap-ups. Uh, Eurozoom took all the French rights and planned for it to actually have a full-on theatrical lease, uh, I think, like, early 2020. 2022. Yeah, 2022. Um, then this company called Film Sharks got the worldwide and remake rights to the picture. 
And in an interview, they had stated that there was a major U.S. genre producer who was eyeing it to do an American-style remake. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this came up a little bit when I was doing my whole like stint in film journalism there for that year because I actually kept hearing rumors that like you could go in other places and write it was already streaming. Like you could go to Netflix in Spain and there, there it's boom, it's right on there. But in the U.S., it was nowhere. And of course, this is all unsubstantiated. There's no no source, no one to cite. But it was just I kept hearing people say like, "Oh, it's being held back because of this remake because they want the American remake to come out first. Oh, it wouldn't be the first time. Yeah. Um, Those but, horrible bastards, the Weinstein's, were notorious <laughs> for that sort yes. of thing. Especially when we had the whole like J horror boom mm-hmm. off the ring and stuff like that. They were just desperate to grab whatever. Yep, just sat on it. And then mm-hmm. usually, like when it hit theaters, you would get like a crappy DVD release yeah. of the original film. Mm-hmm. If you cared, um, and so it sat for forever and never came out. Never any more news about this remake. Never any info about a streaming release or any kind of release for the film in English in America. And then, out of nowhere, the streaming companies Cinedigum, Cinedigum. I guess that's how you say their name. Sure, sure. Why not? Sounds good. Uh, they got the North American rights to it. And then right at the end of last year, kind of around in December, they announced that it was going to go to Screenbox, which is, I guess, Bloody Disgusting's streaming platform. Mm -hmm. And then, boom, it just kind of plopped onto Screenbox unceremoniously without a lot of buzz, really. Yeah, not much fanfare. Um, I just noticed it by chance that it was out there and we could get at it finally. Well, it was fortuitous for us. Yes. Weird little history for it to... A film from 2022 of... It's almost like someone doesn't want this to be seen, or they're trying to erase it from history or something like that. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now this movie is a little convoluted. We're going to jump around a lot, because there's two kind of two major plot lines running concurrently that they flip-flop between. Right. And this is a hard one, I think, to kind of recount. Mm -hmm. But we'll do our best. We shall try. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it starts with um, kind of a broadcast, a little a little bit of the show, 60 Minutes Before Midnight, mm. which is a great title. Love the title. I love their theme song, too. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the music's great. It's, it's very much like those old 80s investigative type yeah. shows. Hard-hitting, going to give you the truth. Yeah. But uh, this show is an uh, Argentinian uh, investigative live broadcast. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of background given here about the the president of Argentina, Belasco. Yes. Uh, we, we found it through the years 87, and there's a lot of political unrest. Apparently he has done some um, unpopular decrees, something about economics and all that, and people aren't happy about it. Yeah, there's a lot of talk of corruption. Mm-hmm. And so once they set that up, then it's when we kind of get the other plot, right, with the producers. Yeah, because there's the TV broadcast, which is shown you know, live, mm-hmm. and, and the characters of the movie actually watch a lot of it. And then there's the actual kind of movie beyond just the broadcast itself mm-hmm. happening at the same time. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's four individuals. What, it's um, Maria, Alfredo, Federici, and Lucio, I yes. believe? Yes, yes. And they're essentially the producers of the show, and then is it, uh, dang, the host, his name is... Alfredo. Alfredo, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So he's the host, and he's the one actually doing the show. The producers are gathered in what appears to just be a random house somewhere, like they're hiding out. Yeah. Um, they've got papers spread out everywhere, and like a map of the city, and all, all this crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I think before we get there, we start with actually Federici. Yeah, Federici meets some mysterious guy, some well-dressed guy, mm-hmm. and gets a package uh, from uh, someone named Van Merken. And we, uh, we're led to believe that some wealthy individual that has some big company branded out of their name. Mm-hmm. And later on when we show, when we're shown the broadcasts, it, it's sponsored by the Van Merken Laboratory. Mm-hmm. And one of the things Alfredo says is that in the course of doing the last, like, so many episodes they've done about the president, they've lost all their sponsors. Yeah. And it, it basically sets up that this is their last show, they're being canceled, but the Van Merken's corporation basically funded this final episode so they could get their full airtime yep. to finish the story. Um, <laughs> so what they're doing is, Oh boy. Well, it, it goes back to an inciting <laughs> the, the start of this actual like quote unquote broadcast is kind of a recap of the last few episodes that's led to this point. True. Because it was one inciting event event that happened that then led them to investigate all of this stuff. And the inciting event was there was this security guard, and he was doing like his whole night watchman thing, just wandering around peacefully, mm-hmm. checking everything out, making sure everything's good. And he stumbles across a murder, or seemingly a murder. Yeah, we see like a well-dressed man standing over a body. Mm-hmm. And uh... see, I thought it was just people LARPing uh, Mage of the Ascension, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> it could have been. Who knows? It was totally innocent. <laughs> Um, yes, but notably, the guy that seems to be in paralleling the unconscious individual vanishes into thin air. Yeah, right before the security guard's eyes. Mm-hmm. But he leaves behind a notebook. Yes. And that notebook got turned into the production company, and it seemed to link a bunch of political figures, including, including Belasco, in some sort of weird connotation. Mm-hmm. And so the whole point of this like series they've been doing is to run down all those connections, find out what it means... And how these people are connected. Yes. And we also learned that at midnight, there's going to be like a, a rally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a political rally in protest of the president. Mm-hmm. So the 60 Minutes Midnight show starts at 11 o'clock, and it's going to end at midnight when this rally is supposed to begin. Yeah. And one of the... So the guests on the show are... Let's see. They have three for this final episode. Yep, uh, one named Senator Linares, whose name was mentioned in the notebook, and yep. his, his phone number is in the notebook. A writer named Daniel Aguilera, who has written a book called Michelle Doesn't Remember Anything, which just by the title alone, <laughs> you know, was one of those satanic panic Yeah, that's books such an 80s, 80s like yeah. cult satanic panic. The whole title. brainwashing thing. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And the third, probably most important guest, because the producers keep mentioning him, that like he's kind of like the linchpin of the whole thing, is a man named Adrian Mercado. And he's the vice president of the Kingdom Corporate. And he's played by German Bodino, who's a veteran actor for Argentina. Um, he's been in films like Abracadabra, Los Ol- Olvidados from 2017, and Dia de los Muertos. Okay. I liked him. Which, I mean, good. you could tell he just exuded charisma yeah, he, as yeah. his character. He was pretty good. And um, Ricardo, like we mentioned before, was a name mentioned in Rosemary's Baby. It was the real name of Roman Cassavet. Mm-hmm. the elderly neighbor of Rosemary. And he, of course, was a devil worshiper. Yeah, so that's a nice little like hint right out of the gate. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so for the producer side of things, they're kind of torn a little bit about what's going on because I think it's Maria specifically. She doesn't want to accept the idea that there's this occult connection. She really wants there to just be this like normal, simple, like it's just corruption mm-hmm. and money changing hands and diabolical stuff. Um, but she's not ready to make that jump into the idea that there's, you know, real occult right. activities going on. Mm-hmm. But one of the producers, Abel, I think his name is. Yeah. He he went to what they call one of the farms mm-hmm. that Kingdom Corporate has. Yeah. Which I guess is like some sort of a cultish retreat type thing. Yeah, yeah. And they're never very specific. There's not a lot of specificity in this movie. It made me think of like a Bohemian Grove kind of thing. Yeah. But he's a believer. Like he's he has he's apparently convinced. seen things, and he's too afraid to tell them everything that he saw. Yeah. And um, they have one more person on the side of the producers. It's Natalia. She's oh, yeah. a, she's a young woman that's kind of their in the field person. <laughs> yeah, they have her. She's supposed to go to some address at some point. Mm-hmm. So she keeps calling them from this really cool payphone. Yeah, she's skulking outside, and there's this weird, like, retro future payphone. Yeah. And she checks in, like, every 15 minutes. It's almost minutes. like a big pod that kind yeah. of goes over the top of <laughs> the person using the phone. It's neat. Yeah, it made me think of uh, Mamoru Oshii's The Red Spectacles, which is this weird, like, dystopian I haven't seen that yet, Japanese though. film. But it has that same, like, it's the 80s, but it also it's the future vibe to it. Mm, okay. Um, so they kind of actually go down the points of what they're after with this final program. Yep. They're trying to prove that Mercado and Belasco founded the Kingdom Corporate together because they had apparently were college buddies or something like yep. that. Um, and that the notebook that was found links uh, Kingdom Corporate to the Seaport hitman and other politicians. Mm-hmm. They're wanting Mercado to confirm this so that there will be an investigation. And they say if they fail, they will go with Von Merkin's plan which is something they don't really know about. Right. <laughs> but it involves <laughs> Natalia going to that address. And retrieving something. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty sound. I mean, to say it's confusing, that's a pretty good summation. It's the best rundown yeah. I can come up with, yeah. <laughs> and I did watch this twice. Oh, yeah? I did, yes. The first time I just watched, mm-hmm. and the second time I like made notes and stuff. Oh, nice. I nice. don't normally do that. Ooh. That dedication. I wow. barely pay attention most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, oh, so the package that they get. Mm. Yeah, we should talk about that first. Yeah, he, he opens it up, and it's a bell opening it up. He's the believer one. There's an audio tape in there, and there's like some things wrapped in cloth. Mm-hmm. He, he unwraps it. It looks kind of like it's like a weed or a plant or something like that. And it's funny because he takes his first, and but then only later does he explain right. what they are. Yeah, which it's a uh, it's a hallucinogenic, and part of von Merkin's plan for them is that they have to take this, and under its influence they will be able to interpret what Marcato says in a way that will give them the truth. Right. And it turns out it's tannis root. Yeah. Which is something fictional that again was created for Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> um. So one of the first kind of spooky things that happens is that Maria's off like making co- uh, coffee yeah and she keeps hearing her name and she thinks it's one of the other producers calling her I it's think. a very like staccato re- repetition of her name too where it's like Maria Maria yeah Maria. so she goes in this room but there's a tape recorder in there um but was there a tape in there could you see I couldn't see a tape from no. the way it looked it looked like it might have been empty yeah 
So it's like one of those big old, you know, old fashioned <laughs> you know, tape recorders that we would see in the 80s all the time. Um, but she kind of gets, the door slams. Mm-hmm. And eventually they they all sort of realize and they're like, hey, uh, so where's Maria? Yeah. What happened to her? And that's uh, a bell goes to look for her, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he goes down the hallway and he sees something in the hallway. It's like some glowing eyes. It's like some creature crouched there. You don't really see it very well. It's in the shadows. Mm-hmm. But then it's gone. And he hears Maria banging on the door. So she's locked in. He opens it, lets her out. I like this because this is before he's explained the Tannis route to you. Right. Yeah, because he's already taken it at this point. Yeah. yeah but, but they reunite and she uh, kind of just... It, Excuses what happened and all uh, squad back up in front of the TV to keep watching. Yeah. So on the program, Alfredo is who they keep calling the old man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I got the impression he was like some old college professor of theirs or something. Yeah. Um, but they're talking to the senator who they have on the show, one of the guests, um, about like some meeting that was written about. The mm-hmm. person who wrote the notebook says that he had, had met with the senator and knew some things about him. But the senator's like... I don't remember any of that. I don't know this person. Mm-hmm. That's incorrect. And Alfredo tries to kind of pin him on it, and he's like, "Well, how does he have your number?" But um, Lenares like really is really really evasive, and he, he kind of is like, "Well, you know, I'm a public figure. My number is out there. Anyone can go and get it. Him just having my number doesn't mean anything." Mm-hmm. And Mercado actually comes to this guy's rescue in a way. He mm-hmm. says, "Stop, stop torturing this man because <laughs> he won't he won't remember. He doesn't remember anything." He says that. He, uh, the senator was needed for one purpose and then erased. Yeah. And I loved that moment because it was like, it flipped the whole situation on everything. Right. Because Mercado starts talking about this daughter mm-hmm. that he supposedly had, but the senator says, no, I only got two dollars. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, of course you're not going to remember the other one. Mm-hmm. And this is when Daniel sort of starts interjecting into things because he immediately calls out Mercado as like a hack. Yeah. And a, and a con man. A cult leader. Mm-hmm. And starts to uh, shield his book a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Which he straight up says, like, you know, have you ever heard of the concept of the satanic panic? That's all this is. It's just hysteria being wrapped up and escalated. Mm-hmm. And Marcado keeps asking the senator all these questions. The senator doesn't know the answers. And, uh, like, you know, where are we? You know, he's mm. like, Buenos Aires, where's that? Argentina, where is that? It's in the world. And he's like, no, we we haven't been in Argentina for four years or something like that. Okay. Very ominous. Yeah, so the senator gets all pissed off and leaves, gets offended because of the whole daughter thing. <laughs> oh, and there's a commercial that comes oh, on. I, I love the commercial breaks. Federici gets kind of enraptured over this because earlier he had mentioned there was this phrase in his head that he couldn't get out of his mind. Yeah. And he's not sure where it came from. It just popped in there. And that phrase is, the future is over. Mm-hmm. And that made me think a little bit of Prince of Darkness. Yeah. That, that transmission from the future. Yeah, yeah, where they're trying to contact him. Yeah. Uh, but there is a commercial that comes on, something about children, about how, like some children's foundation or something mm-hmm. like that. And it has a line that says the future is over. So he's all kind of enraptured by that. And this isn't the first time that children will be kind of linked to this. Uh-huh. Which, again, that goes hand in hand with the satanic panic and also weird fucked up mm-hmm. <laughs> seedy politician stuff. 
I think it's around this point where uh, Abel starts telling them all about the tennis route and about yeah. how they had to take it. Immediately, Maria is like, no. Yeah, she doesn't take it. We planned all of this. We've set everything up. And then you want to get high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we need to be paying attention. But all the other guys do. Because of course you do. Of course. Um, Marcado admits to being a warlock. Mm-hmm. Brujo. Yep, he says he was initiated by his grandmother. Yeah, age seven. Which him describing it too is pretty creepy. He talks about how he just like walks in on her and she's naked and like full on doing a ritual and everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh yeah, that, and also that um, the kingdom of corporate was built on witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, which he admits that he he, um, he mentions that he stepped away. He left the corporation. He gave up his spot. Because mm-hmm. he disagreed with the direction it was going. Yeah, and he said he made the mistake of like introducing the dark arts to his friends. Because mm-hmm. he got into college, made some friends, and he thought it would be fun to kind of induct all of them and teach them all the same stuff that he knew. Mm-hmm. And that was where this idea of the Kingdom Corporation even came from. That they could like build a force that would let them impose their will on reality. Mm-hmm. Which is a very classic like dabbling in the occult oh yeah motif. it's a great beginning to a call of cthulhu scenario oh yeah <laughs> and federici's outside at one point yeah he goes take a smoke break and we see like a flash of red and it's actual red color mm-hmm. which looks pretty cool with the black and white like on oh his, yeah on his I, face. I dug this so much yeah and he looks down it's like there's like a bit of red light coming out of the wall like a hole in the wall yeah almost. and he kind of starts peeling at it <laughs> and it gets brighter and brighter and then it just disappears and the wall is like whole again and that's why I like this Tannis root angle because the entire time you're now locked into a thing where it's like, well, what is real? What, what is what's real? You know? What is it? Is this really happening or is this just part of the trip? Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, that really helps like tease out the mystery further. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and Federici also comes in and asks Maria how many children the objects of their investigation has. Yep. And he's like checking it against her records and she gets it right. Uh, and this comes into play later. Uh, and there's a judge we should mention. Um, it's their contact that they're trying to get to prosecute all this. And Maria is related to him. Yeah, That's been their uncle, link. Right. But he's like kind of estranged now because her kicking all this up is like looking bad on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Oh, Abel tries to call into the show to ask a question on air. Yeah. Uh, but he gets disconnected. But then a woman comes on instead <laughs> and asks Marcado if he knows that they fuck his daughter in every way in every hole. Yeah. <laughs> so they cut her off pretty quickly. Marcado that- seems kind of nonplussed. I mean, he says that was a demon speaking. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're still wondering, like, is this, is he just, yeah, is know, he full of shit? ultimate con man or is this for real? Yeah. And Abel sees a flash of Marcado on screen. He looks like some kind of monster, mm-hmm. like, like almost like he's been like charred or something. Yeah, it made me think of like uh, what's the? It was a recent horror movie. Is it We Are Still Here? Here, the one with yeah, Barbara Crampton, and they have like the, the charred demonic mm-hmm. ghosts and stuff. I yeah. love that flick. That's a great movie. Such a good visual. Mm-hmm. And then he flashes back to normal. So again, is this the Tannis root? You know, is he seeing the truth, or is it like some sort of illusion? Uh, we get a call-in with Natalia where she mentions that she's seen the same man kind of passing around a bunch. Uh, they worry that maybe they're onto them and they're gonna someone's gonna attack her. Mm-hmm. Which they've mentioned earlier that she does have a gun on her if yes. she really needs it. 
Um, interesting little red herring that doesn't really go anywhere because later she calls back and it turns out it was just a dude there to pick up a girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> False alarm. Uh, Marcato says that the world's about to die. Mm-hmm. And Daniel, the skeptical writer, asks Marcato to prove that he's a warlock. And Marcato kind of makes this gesture and then Daniel starts bleeding from his nose, I think it is. Mm-hmm. But then he's like grabbing his face and it looks like <laughs> blood's coming out of his yeah. eyes and stuff. Of course, they cut away quickly from that. And they have an interesting exchange before the spell part maybe spell part happens where um when he first asks for him to prove it the first thing marcato says is like oh i could read you like a book yeah and he kind of rattles off a few things and at first it does it's like he's like well anyone could guess Mm -hmm. some of that stuff and then he gets a little closer to home and that's when he sort of challenges him to like you know prove it show me right so he does which uh leads to daniel leaving the show as well and that scene reminded me a lot of uh curse of the demon Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, when the, the sorcerer in that movie summons the cyclone to mm-hmm. prove that he actually is a magician. God, I love that movie. Great if movie. you haven't seen Curse of the Demon, <laughs> watch Curse of the Demon. It's so good. Good film to chase this one with. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Yeah, then Alfredo comes back on the TV, the announcer, and he says that Daniel's been taken to the hospital. Mm-hmm. He's going to be fine. <laughs> and you see his collar has blood on it, too. Yeah. And at this point, he kind of just challenges Marcato to, you know, come out and confirm. Yeah, he their says, questions. "Yeah, what do you know about Belasco and the Warlocks?" But Marcato's still evasive. Yeah, he keeps saying, I'll, uh, "I can't talk about that now." <laughs> <laughs> like I will later, but not now. Uh, he, he but I know that this. Yeah, he does kind of relent here, mm-hmm. and he's about to explain some stuff. Mm-hmm. But as he tries to do that, he's like opening up his mouth, but the audio cuts out. Yep. And then the screen just goes to static. And they find out that they're off the air. Yeah. Yeah, they have power, but they're not transmitting. So there's a mad scramble to get them back on before the time runs out. And Marcotto, at this point, looks like he's kind of having the seizure. Mm-hmm. Which he had said earlier that if he immediately confirmed what they wanted to know, he would be attacked for it. Mm-hmm. And I think at this point, there's like really loud knocking on the door yeah. of the producer's house. And they all just kind of like turn off the lights and they hide. <laughs> but, okay, yeah, that's what I would do. I mean, they're also high as fuck, so... <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, they just kind of... Clyde, man. Clyde, man. Clyde. And the knocks eventually go away. They open up the door. Nobody's out there. This reminded me a lot of The Haunting. Oh, yeah. That one scene in The Haunting with the knocking on the door mm-hmm. and they're in the room. Yeah. If you haven't seen the original Haunting from 1963, go watch The Haunting. Subtle but effective. So good. Um, And at this point, Maria finally takes the Tannis route. Mm-hmm. Everything's gone to hell, so why not at this point? Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because she didn't have the root, but she heard the knocking. Right. So you never know what really is real and what isn't. <laughs> and but then true, you've got this backdrop of like there's this political rally that's about to happen. So how many people are like out in the streets just going around yeah, doing whatever? True. This part now okay, then it gets really weird for me. Yeah, here's where it gets trippier. Because they kind of go into a trance. Mm-hmm. They play that tape that was in the package. Right. The Von Merkin sent them a tape to listen to once they were all under the influence of the mm-hmm. Tannis root. Annabelle, who went to that farm, who apparently has some magical <laughs> knowledge, kind of puts them into this trance. Um, Federici has kind of like a cool psychedelic red-tinged vision. Yeah. I liked his the best. It'd be a really cool album cover. <laughs> um, then there's that scene with Maria. Which is, okay, I'm, I'm still not exactly sure what's happening here. But this is where the aspect ratio changes. Yes. It opens up. Um, 
And it's in color, too, is it not? Mm-hmm. Yes. Who is the guy with the beard? Do we know who that is? I, I don't I don't think so. That's never explained. No. But he seems to be, like, almost in charge. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's Belasco. Oh, Belasco's the president. Do we ever, we don't ever see him, do we? We see pictures of Belasco. Oh, yeah. He's like we, an older dude. Right, yeah. right, right. Mm. I don't think it's Von Merkins, either. Hmm. Um, but yeah, he's almost like giving them orders and stuff. And there, there's a scene where they're all talking about, they're kind of like going over the plan because mm-hmm. this is obviously like a few days before the broadcast. Mm-mm. And uh, Federici asks, he says, where's Abel? And Maria says, who? Yeah. Like she doesn't know who he is. Yeah. So all through the movie, we've been getting these little hints that okay, things are changing. I don't know why it just clicked with me. We have to finish talking about the movie before I can tell you what I think about this scene. So we'll keep going. Okay. I had a thought about this and it just suddenly came back to me. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, throughout the movie, things seem to have changed here and there. Like little little things that used to be true are no longer true. And they keep going back to that count of the children. Mm-hmm. That's like a key thing they keep focusing on. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, man. <laughs> and while they're doing this, like... A bell answers a phone call while everyone else is in a trance. And, he, and the, over the phone, it just says Warlock over and over. Mm-hmm. The door opens, a red light is shining in on him. And then we see that his he's wearing like some sort of grass stalk mask or something. Yeah, it's, it's crazy like looking. Children of the corn thing going on here. <laughs> and there's this tentacle coming through the door. Mm-hmm. And then that scene just ends. Yeah, um, when that happened, I was like, dude, we're going full Lovecrafty and oh shit. Yeah. Let's see. Okay, then Federici wakes up. Abel is on the floor. Yeah. Maria is bleeding and holding a knife. She says that Abel's a warlock and killed Lucio mm-hmm. and attacked her. Yep. And so it turns out that when he went to the farms, they flipped him. He was working for the other side. And that this was all a setup to try to get them and take them out. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what can Federici do at this point but choose to believe? True. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that tentacle had something to do with it. I don't know. <laughs> and, and so they, they mentioned that Natalia hasn't called back. Right. And then we kind of cut to her. And we see her being followed in the streets. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be that well-dressed man from the beginning, the yeah. one that disappeared. Yeah. Dockside hitman. Yeah. Um, he's saying that the professor has sent him, but she's like hiding from him. And he like he does one of those things where she just, she turns around and bam, he's there. Mm-hmm. You know, fucker's teleporting or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, he kind of makes another gesture, kind of like the same sort of spell thing that Mercado did. Makes yeah. him start bleeding from the nose. Uh, but she turns and shoots him mm-hmm. with that aforementioned gun. And we, we see his body on the ground. I'm not sure if he's dead or not. And then there's a scene where Federici's asking Maria again about the number of children, but that's changed. Right, it's different now. What she knows is different than what was on the paper. Mm-hmm. And he's saying that at midnight they're going to take more children. Yep. It seems that whatever they're doing, it's some sort of ritual that involves using children, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we go back to Natalia. She calls back. She's at that address. She goes into this house. Yeah, they tell her there's no other option now. She has to go in there. Yeah. And there's a box. She opens it up. We don't see what's in it. 
but she reaches in. And they, they tell her she has to rush it to the studio if they can get back on air in time. Mm-hmm. Um, Natalia calls and says she's heading to the studio. Like she, she's, I think she says on on a cab. Mm-hmm. And Federici is confused. He's like on a on a, on a cab. Because <laughs> I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that at first. I admit. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was clever. Yeah. Because uh, your mar- your first reaction watching it is like, well, yeah, of course she's in a cab. Why why wouldn't you be? Yeah, but how could she be talking to him <laughs> if she's in a cab? Yeah, nineteen eighty seven. At least not without one of you know, Landa's big brick phones. Yeah, she didn't have the have the big uh, big honking brick phone. Uh, the show's back on. They have barely what, like ten minutes left or something. Yeah, and uh, Mercado keeps saying things like it's going to get worse and then everything will start over. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Natalia comes to the studio. Yeah, she charges right in. And uh, she she has a cell phone. It looks like you know a freaking iPhone modern, or modern something. day cell phone, yeah. Yeah. And Mercado takes it and he talks to his daughter, I believe he's speaking with. And he's telling her to go through his papers and find a particular one mm-hmm. and in so many seconds read the word that's written on the paper. And meanwhile Alfredo is just like begging him, please, please confirm this before we go off the air. Yeah. And then he tells him, I'm gonna do something better than confirm it. Yeah. And Natalia is kind of backing up in the back of the studio. Interestingly, she has her ears covered. Mm -hmm. And he begins to say something. And you hear, I think it's like K-A or the first first syllable. And then it goes off the air. Yep. Um, Then we hear gunshots outside the producer's house. So apparently all hell's breaking loose out there. The the cacophony of the uh, political rally. Um, then we cut back to the studio and it's in color this time. Mm-hmm. And I think, no, I think the aspect ratio is the same, isn't it? At first. Yeah. Um, mercado has gone and it looks like there's a little smoke there where he was. Mm-hmm. And Alfredo was asking anyone if they heard what he had said. Yeah. Mercado. And his hands look like they're kind of vibrating. Yeah. He looks spooked. Yeah. <laughs> and he's looking down and he's asking if anyone can see it. Yeah. And then we push in on Natalia, who's just sort of like looking around. Confusion, I guess, mm. is the expression. Not really horror. It's like they're noticing the fact it's color for the first time. Yeah. And then it ends. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice, ambiguous ending. <sighs> okay, I'll, I'll, that's one of my criticisms. I think the whole movie is a little too ambiguous. Oh, yeah, really? I do. Hmm. You know me, I like I like a little bit of mystery. I don't need everything explained or wrapped up in a nice tidy package. But I kind of find this a bit too ambiguous. But maybe we can work through it. Okay, well let's back up to the um the like the extra fourth man that we were talking about earlier. Okay. I got confused at first when you were describing that scene and then it just clicked with me. So I think that fourth person was one of their producers and they altered reality to make a bell take his place. So that he was inside with them. Hmm. And they had an inside man to like prevent them. From and since it was, who was it, Federici? Since it was, it was his like vision under right. the Tannis root and everything, he remembered a bell. Because mm-hmm. it really wasn't, yeah, okay. Yeah. That was my interpretation. Could be. Now, is that true? I don't know. Right, yeah. And I think that's one of the strengths of the film is it leaves it open. I could be right. I could be totally wrong. Mm-hmm. Someone else could have a whole different interpretation. Yeah. It's not a bad theory. But that's what I mean by being too ambiguous, perhaps. 
Oh, I like that though. I like to just ponder ponder the options. Sure, but there has to be some. Because if you remember, that was my one criticism of Come True. I was like, it needed to be a little vaguer. I agree at the end. It could have been a bit more vague. True, true, true. But for that movie, there was also more of a narrative I was hooked on. I have issues with this movie. Oh, you don't like the whole, like, expose the president narrative okay. thing? I, I really love the, the basic story. I think it's pretty fucking cool. Uh-huh. I'm just not... For me, I'm not invested enough in the characters mm-hmm. to care too much. And the goings-on are so ambiguous. I, I feel like I can't really latch onto anything. You know, I, I got no emotional connection. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never really a scary movie. No, I don't think it's really meant to be either. No, no. Um, it's just a little too vague. Fascinating. <laughs> now, I've been reading <laughs> reviews of this, and, and a lot of people are praising it. They say it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Other people are like, it's fine. Um, so here's one thing I'll say, because I was thinking a lot about this. I don't know a lot about the history of Argentina, so I wonder if some of that context might make this like ring a little more. I think it has a lot to do with it, yes, because I was watching one video, and they were talking about how there was a pretty terrible regime mm-hmm. in the 80s that, of course, the Americans put in power. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> sorry, half the world. <laughs> we are so sorry. <laughs> but uh, there was a lot of corruption, mm-hmm. you know, um, and apparently a lot of people just disappeared. I'm sure pe- political enemies just vanished. And a lot of those were children. I don't want to know what happened to them. God, that's horrible implications. Well, if, you, if you have no morals and you want leverage on a person, yeah, uh, there you go. Uh, um, but see, I think a lot of this is like almost universal in a way. Because if you take from what we know, which is, of course, American politics, number one, we've had weird stints of like, is it supernatural or what's going on? Like, again, like Bohemian Grove, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Is it just a bunch of rich dudes going out on a retreat or, or what? You know, that's legitimate thing that people have spent many hours discussing and sure, debating. Sure, sure. Um, you can say it was like almost any Lynch film, too. Yeah. But Lynch always gives you a bit more than this movie did for me. And then the other thing I thought about, too, it's really early in, early in the film. It's when they're first talking about Belasco before the show has started. And they're wondering, like, will this work? Will this do anything? Will this change anything? And one of the producers, I forget which one, they say, well, it doesn't really matter. Have you seen the polls? Uh, Belasco's trending really poorly. There's no way he could be elected again. Mm-hmm. And that made me think about recent presidential elections here in America. Yeah. Where people said similar things, mm-hmm. like, there's, there's no way this could happen. And then it does. Yeah. Or doesn't, <laughs> and that's that same thing. Is that then you're you're looking for the answer of like, well, how does this happen? Mm-hmm. And then this film, obviously, the election was stolen. Is what you're saying, right, Dustin? <laughs> and then this film, of course, you know, is in in a fictional way filling that gap with this idea of the supernatural. Yeah, which I thought was interesting and compelling. I can say the basic story is very interesting, mm-hmm. and honestly, this isn't a movie I would mind seeing remade. Oh. To be honest with you. So, what would you like changed if there was if that American remake did happen? I need more connection with the characters. Mm-hmm. The characters are—they're blank canvases. They really are. So we don't, there's so many of them. We don't really pay any get any attention from any. I, I just don't feel any connection to. If them. I'm interpreting what you're saying, you're saying that the film needs to be longer. Oh God, maybe, maybe it does. <laughs> you know, and that's not yeah. always a bad thing. Long movies can be great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I think it's there's such. It keeps me at arm's length. This movie. You know, so mm-hmm. as a interesting little kind of puzzle or 
thought experiment. It, it, it's fun. I mean, mm-hmm. it's well made. Oh, it's very well made. And I, I love the whole idea. Anytime it's a black and white film and then they introduce color. Yeah. And that color means something to what's going on. Mm-hmm. I love stuff like that. Yeah, me too. And then this one too with the aspect ratios. I don't know that I've seen that used too often. Usually it's very distinct. Like it'll be like, here's the TV show and it's this ratio. Right. It, it was um, used to pretty good effect in um, Sensor. I don't know if you ever saw that one or not. I've seen clips of it. I've not seen the whole thing. Yeah, yet. that's the one about like at the beginning of the third act, because uh, it's widescreen. Mm-hmm. It slowly yeah, begins yeah. to come in and, and do. <laughs> you don't even notice it until it's like halfway there, and you're like, "Wait, what the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but I saw. I watched a YouTube video. Maybe we could find that and link that in the show notes. Yeah, you can just let me know. Because um, uh, someone pointed out that there's a, a tourism ad for the Falklands mm-hmm. in this movie. But at the time that in 87, um, Argentina didn't have the Falklands. It belonged to the British. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a whole war fought over it. But in here, it's like, go to the Falklands. Yeah. But they wouldn't have that because it belonged to the UK. So they're positing that perhaps this is an alternate reality. Mm-hmm. Like, things were already changed. And if you, you know, if you live in Argentina or if you know more of their history, you, you would get that. You would crock onto that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's fun. That's like almost like a almost an in-universe playing with the whole time change thing. Mm-hmm. So, too, I guess to talk about it, what, what do you think was going on behind the scenes with everything? <sighs> What's your interpretation of that? We don't get much to go on. We do not. And that's one of my problems. I think it's a little too vague. I really do. I was getting those David Lynch vibes, man. So yeah, I was but into Lynch it. always gives you something more. Well, Twin Peaks The Return, you're pretty... Pretty out there okay. flying in the wind. This is a well-made movie, but it, <laughs> it does not compare to Lynch's compositions. Oh, and, I'm not saying it is. I'm, I'm like just that. saying it's got those, those those vibes. It does. And I was feeling it. It does. But like with Lynch can like use that feeling of unease and, and, and disassociation to just lull you into this mm-hmm. wonderful, beautiful trance. This one just kind of aggravated me. Hmm. Actually, honestly, the second time I watched it, I was getting pissed off. <laughs> I really wow. was. I was getting pissed off, huh. which is something because the movie should elicit some sort of a reaction. I agree. <laughs> Even if negative, it did its job. Yeah. I, I find it just frustrating because I feel like it could be, I think it's a few drafts away from being an excellent film. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my opinion. Um, well, what's yours? I've been talking too much. Oh, I'm interested to hear what you think. So, uh, to talk about the ending first real quick. So I think part of this ritual is it was like making an alternate reality to put everyone in. That was kind of this stasis where in, in that they had like complete control of things. So they were in political power. They were in control. And it was kind of this thing like they would have to like repeat the ritual every so often to renew it. Okay. And it was like a cycle where they were just like stuck in this. Yeah. Or like maybe creating their whole new world basically. Yeah. Okay. So that was kind of how my interpretation. But Yeah. I mean, that's, that's as good as any. So, some of my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, I think I've hit a lot of this out of my notes. Let's see here. Um, I do think there's good pacing in this film, too. Especially when they use the uh, 60 minutes before midnight as, like, the anchor. Because mm-hmm. the whole time, it's like, it's good. they got to finish in the hour. Right? And there's that countdown clock, yeah, which is really clever. Every time they go to the show, you see the clock counting yeah. down. You know how much time is left. I do like that. Um, that really gets, like, to be a good political thriller, you have to have that tension and that push mm-hmm. that, like... The shoe's going to drop at some point. Yeah, yeah, at any moment. And they execute it perfectly with this TV show. Uh, see, I already talked about the aspect ratios. I, I actually wish it was almost all the TV show. Kind of like Ghost Watch was. Yeah. 
like a one continuous broadcast. Hmm. Or maybe a preamble, like the first act is leading up to the broadcast. That's where we get the info dump. Mm. You know, we know what's happening, setting everything up, and then bam, we go into the broadcast. I think that would be a bit more compelling, personally. But I didn't write or direct the movie, so. (laughs) Remake idea, though. Um, So, yeah, I think, like, another thing on the ending, too, is, like, at the end there, when he contacts his uh, child whatever they do on the other end is able to like break the spell. And that's why they're kind of released back into normal reality where there's color, where the aspect ratio shifts back and that kind of stuff. Could be. I also had the impression that perhaps, uh, Mercado escaped this reality. Oh, and left the rest. Yeah. He just bamped to another dimension, (laughs) which is, you know, there's the smoke and everything. Like Mm -hmm. maybe he just teleported or whatever. Cause he wanted his daughter to say the word too. Right. So she would go along with him. Could be. Or like you say, maybe they were saved from this, you know, mm-hmm. time change. But no, man, I really loved it. Like, I love I loved the tone. I loved the theme. Uh, I loved the back and forth between the two, two plots. Um, love the use of colors. Love the aspect ratio stuff. Uh, nothing really put me off about this one. Like, just, no, across, okay. across the board, it was just like, oh, easy pitches right over the plate every time. Hmm, okay. Yeah. So you didn't get that sense of frustration like I did. No. Yeah. Which is, I mean, you know me. I like I like movies that are kind of vague, that mm-hmm. leave some stuff to the imagination. You got to kind of think and work at. But. See, that's why I expected you to like this one. Yeah. When I watched it, I turned to Tiffany. I was like, oh, this is great. Jason's going to love it too. <laughs> no, I didn't hate it. I didn't by any means hate yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but it just, I needed more. I needed a little more meat to grab mm-hmm. onto. That sounded dirtier than I wanted it to. <laughs> Michael's not here to call you on it. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just needed a little bit more, a little bit more story. So I think this one, this could have benefited from being a little bit longer. Hmm. Another, another 20 minutes of character work or background. I still think I'm in the alternate reality right now, man. <laughs> everything you're saying is the opposite of what you usually say. The movie casts a spell on us. Um, so if you had to rate this one. Which I do. <laughs> which you do right now as I'm staring you down. I have been going all over the board on this one. Uh-huh. I think I... Shit. (laughs) I'm going to land at two and a half. What? Uh, Yeah. Damn. I've been going between two to three. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to split it down the middle at two and a half. (laughs) Okay, wow. I wanted more. You know, I I, I wasn't satisfied. I didn't feel a connection. Um, Like, stylistically, it's cool. You know, technically, it's well made. Mm -hmm. I just needed more. I just didn't care. That was my biggest problem. Wow. Yeah, like I wasn't intrigued enough by the mystery because mm-hmm. I didn't care about the characters. And half the time I was, honestly, I was a bit confused. <laughs> this is one of those movies you've got to kind of rewatch or think about a lot. Or maybe it was just me. Maybe I was just slow on the uptake. I don't know. Um, See, man, I was in like right out of the gate. Okay. I just, I've, I didn't have that connection. I needed to make this a really good movie. How about okay. you? Well, let me weight our average a little better by saying... uh I don't think there's anything to add. I've kind of doled it all out along the way. I'm a hard line on a five star at this one. Really? I really liked it. I think it was super clever, super well executed, well done, well made. Uh, I want to see more from this filmmaker. I hope he gets more opportunities, especially since they were looking at doing a remake. Man, some studio, go throw him some money. See what, see what he does. No, no, I'm not, I'm not against that. Mm-hmm. Just work on the script a little bit more. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. don't worry. If he goes to Hollywood, they'll make sure. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Wow. Okay. That's two five-star movies for you back-to-back. Fuck yeah. Starting the year strong. Year. Yeah. No um, pressure or anything. We have one more topic to settle, though, before we wrap up. Okay. We need to talk about Screenbox. Okay. I, I teased we would review Screenbox as a service. I haven't got... Well, I went through the catalog a little bit. Uh-huh. Okay. What, what, are, your, what are your thoughts? Um, catalog's pretty slim. I'm going to be it's, honest. It's a little underwhelming. It's a little underwhelming. A lot of it's if you've already got Shutter or the Arrow Player or, or Tubi for or that Tubi. matter. Um, it's all a lot of it's already on there. There's a very thin line of exclusives. One of which is this film, History mm-hmm. of the Occult. Yeah, and now they may build their catalog over time. For Shutter sure. didn't start as good as it is now, especially if they kill Shutter. Don't kill Shutter. Leave <laughs> Shutter alone. Um, I noticed there was a lot more like low budget type movies yeah. on Screenbox, but. Let's face it, most of that's trash. <laughs> I'm sure there are some diamonds in the rough, uh-huh. but, you know, it's a lot of direct-to-streaming type mm-hmm. crap. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of what they do have, I think it's the same, like, suites of catalogs. They kind of vend to, same, to the same places, too. Yeah. Um, that said, it was easy to navigate. Uh, I didn't have any like problems accessing it or playing yeah, it. Yeah, so they cool. got the whole seven day trial thing, so go yeah. check it out for yourself. You know, uh, what is it like five bucks a month? I think if you yeah, want to keep it. Shutter, yeah. yeah. But right, it, it, I think if you have Shutter, there's really no need to get this except for those Screenbox. Like Terrifier Two is on Screenbox. Yeah. It's an exclusive there. Probably gonna watch that before the trial expires. I'll be right. honest. Yeah, no, you should. Yeah, it's great. So eh, we'll see. It, it's all right. It, it could go places. I mean, it's got bloody disgusting behind it. So right for a while, bloody disgusting was kind of backing and making their own films. So I don't know if they're still active on that or not, but if they are, if they have their own exclusive platform to kind of serve those, yeah, obviously that's where it's going to go. Yeah. Right. So we'll uh, see. Keep an eye on that. Yep. Worth the trial. Do you keep it or not? I think if you've got any other streaming horror related service that you're in on, probably don't need it, but mm-hmm. you know, do as you will. Yep. Maybe you're a streaming um, completist, like Dustin is a Blu-ray completist. Yes. I must have all the horror streaming channels. Uh, in the words of the grand occultist, Aleister Crowley, do what thou wilt, show me the whole of the law. Nice. All right, well, that brings us to the end on this film. Thank you, Urban Groucho, for suggesting this one. Yeah, thanks, man. Sorry I didn't enjoy it as much. Hey, you know, <laughs> we're honest. we got to be honest. i got to be honest. So. That's right. Uh, was fun. Glad to check it out. Finally, I've been anticipating it for a long time. I'm personally very pleased with it. You're where you are. It's cool. I still love you, man. <laughs> I wonder what Michael would have thought. I, I know he said he would watch some of the stuff we cover still. I really want to talk to him about this one. I think so. he would agree with me. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's weird and out there, I'm usually the person that stands alone on it. So, mm. um, So that brings us to my freestyle pick. And speaking of weird, kind of trippy, kind of out there movies, uh-uh. uh, having this film's good because it's kind of a connecting point lead into one of mine that I really wanted to cover. And I've been waiting and waiting and waiting, trying to find the right time. And I've never found the time, so here we are. Gonna do it now. We are gonna check out from 2021 Ultrasound, directed by Rob Schroeder. Nice. This has um, been on my list for a while. If you've listened to the podcast faithfully, I have mentioned it many times and often suggested it and tried to upsell it. Uh, it was one of my watches when I got to go to Fantasia digitally that year and cover and review things. And it was honestly my favorite film that year. So, Ooh. Um, 
Yeah, we'll get into it. It's it's crazy. It's so I good. I can't wait to tear it apart. Um, I'll throw it out first. I think it's very Lynchian. Okay, so we'll, right. we'll set that up to you. Right. Okay. Um, how, how does one watch this movie? So it's on Hulu, I believe. Okay, nice. Yeah, so pretty easy to get at. Excellent. So with all that said, thank you, Jason, for your time. It has been very fun. <laughs> love doing this show. Love hanging out with you. Me too, man. Always a good time. Um, you have been listening to Genre Exposure. We thank you so much for tuning in with us, joining us. Keep sending us movie recommendations. We need more. We need all the movie recommendations. Mm-hmm. Send, send some weird ones. I want something crazy. Something yeah. out there. Uh, hit us up on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Send us an email at genreexposure at gmail.com. We love hearing what you've been watching, what you're digging, what you're checking out. That secretly fills up our watch list, even yes. if we don't cover it on the show. That's right. Um, otherwise, you have been listening. I'm saying it a second time. To Genre Exposure. <laughs> Bye, everybody. listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com thanks for listening